we're on there. There we go. Is that better? Sorry. Somebody tell me next time. Hey, uh, I think that's what Scott just did anyway. Um, but uh, so we, we don't have festivals. We just kind of celebrate. We've condensed everything down to one day of, of kind of celebration. I'm cool with that. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, you can talk about too. Uh, but the 12 days of Christmas last, you know, 12 days from Jan- uh, December 25th to January 5th, 6-ish. Um, and, and we think about a lot of other traditions that we have during Christmas. We, we think about, you know, of course, I mentioned the PJs. Um, I remember as a kid, my mom used to host a drop-in. Uh, it was my dad's work friends from Ryder when he drove a truck for Ryder in Hess. Um, her work friends, uh, anybody remember old J.L. Balloon Son? Any, any old school Bowling Springs people around here? No? No J.L. Balloon Son? There we go. All right. She used to do work, do bookkeeping for J.L. Balloon Son, Peach Packing Company right there on, uh, on Parish Bridge Road. Um, and so work friends, family friends would all gather for a drop-in. And I mean, Christmas goodies everywhere. Y'all know about Christmas goodies, right? We need to bring back the Christmas goodie bag. Okay, let's go, go with that. Um, but Christmas goodies everywhere. Uh, I think about traditions now since uh, McKenna and I have been married. We're uh, 2023. We are closing in on 10 years. We were married August 31st, 2013. 10 years, I know, in, in Fort for the long run here. Um, but, you know, some of the traditions that we've had, you know, we, we uh, one of the things that we love to do since her parents have kind of moved up towards the, the Fort Mill area is that we go and spend Christmas Eve with them. We go up and, and kind of the afternoon, we hang out with them, we go to their Christmas Eve service, uh, then we all get in a, a vehicle and we go looking at Christmas lights and then we go back to their house for hot ham and cheese sandwiches and Chex Mix and Diet Coke and, and all that fun stuff. Anyway, um, and then we change, we past couple of years, past two years, we put uh, Maddox in his Christmas PJs and, and they get a couple of pictures with him and then we put him in the car seat and bring him home. Um, the past three years, one of my favorite traditions that we've just kind of started doing is um, I, I'm a huge fan of podcasts, um, and I listen to a pod- podcast called Cultish, okay? It is a podcast from a biblical worldview. It's a Christian podcast, and they take and look at and they examine uh, cult stories. Jim Jones. They look at David Koresh and the Waco situation. They look at um, a bunch of different other things, and they have made this podcast. Well, one of the guys that they lean on is is a a pillar of the faith, a a great theologian, um, one of the modern gifts that God has given to us, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Walter Martin. Um, I don't know. How many of y'all, anybody ever heard of Dr. Walter Martin? Anybody? Okay. Dr. Walter Martin. Um, he is, he was, is, and kind of, he was known as the Bible answer man. He would do a radio show. I think people would call in and, and ask him questions about the Bible. And he was kind of the first really modern apologist that we saw, um, defending the faith, um, through the radio. So, uh, Dr. Walter Martin, um, actually wrote a book and I got it for Christmas this year and I'm excited to start. It's called Kingdom of the Occults or Kingdom of the Cults. And there's a study companion with it as well. And he walks through, all of the cults that, you know, take some stuff from Christianity but are not Christian. And so um, what they do, what this podcast does at the end of uh, every, their year, their last episode is their Christmas episode. And so they, they basically produce an episode, hey, thanks for making our podcast so popular, blah, 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 listeners, all this, you know, kind of gives a little quick report. And then they share a sermon by Dr. Walter Martin. Um, and it has become one of the 
one of my favorite Christmas, Christmas traditions that we have. We, we get him loaded up in the truck. We get Maddox in the truck. We, we, everybody gets in the car, and we get on the highway back home to Spartanburg from Fort Mill. It's about an hour and a half drive, and we listen to a sermon called The Secret of Christmas by Dr. Walter Martin. Um, and that's what I want to share with y'all this morning. Let me be very clear, because I know there's a lot of men who have stood in pulpits that have gotten in trouble with this. The words that I am about to share are not my own. This is a sermon that has greatly encouraged me. I love it. I love it. Now, please forgive me, because there's going to be some moments where I have to pronounce some, some Hebrew words. I'm going to try. I'm going to try not to be too bowling springs about it, you know. Yahweh, you know, not, I'm going to try not to do that, but... Um, I want to share this sermon with y'all. Now, it's going to mean that I read a lot of it, okay? But I don't want it to take away from the impact of y'all to hear the words of Dr. Walter Martin and what he, what he shares. Because he starts, and, and he basically points out, by the time we get to this time every year, Christmas has really been kind of done to death. We, we see a lot of it. We, we see a lot of the, uh, you know, December, the pomp and circumstance, the, the celebrations and all of these things. And, and so I want to share kind of the new life edit of this sermon. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to look up and I'm going to do my best to kind of keep, my, keep eye contact with you guys. But I want you guys to hear the words of Dr. Walter Martin and... I wanted to share you, with y'all this because it's impacted my life greatly. It, it's changed a lot about Christmas for me. And it's made me realize that Christmas is not just December 25th, December 24th, December 25th. It's not even the 12 days. It goes beyond that. That the message of Christmas, once you hear what Dr. Walter Martin has to say, Really, it does change my perspective on how we handle and view the coming of, of Christ. So, if you have Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 today, and, and you're, you're, you're saying to yourself, what are you doing in the Gospel of John? It's Christmas time. For us, it's New Year's. Happy New Year, right? We're still kind of in that Christmas mode. It's obvious that the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke tell us the Christmas story, and that's, that's correct. They do. But the Gospel of John tells us what it means. And that's why Christians, as Christians, we ought to be meditating upon the meaning of the historical sequence of events of the marvelous Christmas revelation. The birth of Christ is a part of history. The story of the star and the wise men. It's valid history. It happened. God did it for a purpose. The story of Herod frothing and raging and trying to con the wise men into telling him where Jesus was so he could kill him is a part of history. And guess what? He didn't succeed. The story of the flight to Egypt to escape by Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus to escape the wrath of the madman is a part of history. The angelic chorus, the angelic chorus, there's my Bowling Springs again, I need to tell him to go away. But the angelic chorus Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men whom he is well, well pleased, Luke 2.14. That is a part of history. God did part the heavens 
from the dimension of heaven and break through with the power and proclaim what pleased him most, most the birth of his son, the unique one and the most unique event in the history of the world. The angelic messenger to Joseph and Mary, the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner, the spirit and power of Elijah, and all part of history and the fulfillment of the biblical prophecy is a part of history. He was indeed to be the glory of God of thy people Israel and the light unto the Gentiles. But behind all the Christmas events, all the gift-giving, All the celebrations, the parades, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus. It's all meaningless drivel. But then the core of Christmas emerges. That it is the birth of Christ. So we're in John chapter 1, 1 through 5. It says this, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was God. Or the Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave Him life to everything that was created. And the life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Even, and I'm going to pause right here. Even today, when we look at the notion, light always overcomes darkness even in the simple notions all creation speaks to the glory of god when we turn out the lights in this room we are turning off the light the darkness is not is not overcoming the light the light is being cut off and it's giving way to the darkness it is allowing the darkness to take over the room when the lights are turned back on guess what the darkness has no choice but to give way to the light even in simple principles like that All creation still speaks to the glory of God. Dr. Martin goes on to say this. In the beginning, he he kind of phrases John 1 like this. The Word or reason or wisdom and the Word was face to face with God. And the Word was God. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shone on the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend. Could not deal with it. Grab that for a second. Could not comprehend it could not deal with it. Darkness cannot deal with the light of Christ. He goes on in John 1.14 and he says this, So the Word became human and made His home among us. And He was full of the unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and it did not say took on the appearance of flesh masqueraded as flesh, looked like flesh, pretended to be flesh, was an illusion of flesh. That's the cults. That's Gnosticism. That's Mary Baker Eddy. That's Christian science. That's the New Ages. The Word, the wisdom, the reason, the essence of God Himself became flesh and dwelt among us And we beheld His glory, the glory as the unique one from the Father, the unique and one of a kind, full of grace and truth. He was not an angel. For to which of the angels did God ever say, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies a stool for your foot? In Hebrews 1.13, none of them. But to the Son He said, Thy throne, O God, is forever, and the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Thy kingdom. 
When, when he brought him into the world, the father spoke to the son, recorded in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. He said that, let all the angels of God worship my son. And they did. They worshiped him because he was unique. They worshiped him because he was one of a kind. They worshiped him because at a given moment in time and space, God broke through and entered the world as a man which never had before been done. He came to the womb of the virgin in the magnificence of human birth and identified himself with us. The wisdom of power of God incarnate. That's the core of Christmas. That's the incarnation of the Christ child. An old Greek word, really Latin. Now please forgive me if you are a Latin scholar or a Greek scholar. I'm about to butcher this word. Incarnates. Incarnos. In flesh, something happened. God who is pure spirit revealed himself. Grab that. God who is pure spirit revealed himself literally in flesh through Christ. How he did it? Nobody can understand that. That he did it is as much as a record as the angels that sang or the wise men that brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The significance of John 1 can never be misunderstood, never underestimated. What's being told here is that God's wisdom took on human form, that everything that God could mean to man in this world resided in human flesh. That's why Jesus could say uniquely above all the sons of men, that he that had seen me had seen the Father, and that he receives me, receives him that sent me, uh, either rejects me or rejects him that sent me. In Matthew 10.40, I have not spoken my own, by my own authority, but by the, fa- by, by the authority that my Father gave me, a commandment that I say and what I should speak. What Jesus is saying here, and this is a, a, a thick, heavy point to grab that he makes. Even when I listen to this sermon, I have to go back and really chew on this passage or this part that he, he, he shares with us. What Jesus is saying here is if man does not accept me, and Jesus said, and rejects my word, I do not judge him. That's an awesome statement. Think about this. I do not judge him. The word that I have spoken, it will judge him on that day. What I'm saying will be the judge. Jesus' words. Not what you think will be the judge. Not what I think will be the judge. Not what the theologians think and not what the philosophers think. Not what the world thinks and not what the consensus thinks and not what history thinks. What I said will judge you. That is what Jesus is saying here. The incarnation was the appearance of God in human flesh. But not just in the sense of Redeemer. God in the sense of judge. And today, and this time every year at Christmas, we think of the baby. We think of the angels and the wise men. The little town of Bethlehem. But we forget Christ's words on judgment as to why he came. I've come into the world, into this world, is the ruler of this world to to judge, or to judge the ruler of this world, Satan, in John 9.39. In Hebrews 2, he says, and he came, and he became a partaker of flesh, and this is the real reason here, and he became the partaker of flesh that he might ruin completely 
Satan. God, what, what Walter is saying here is that Christ took on flesh in the form of a child, that's where this started, so that he could handle and deal completely with whom has ruined us through sin and death. He, he could deal completely with Satan. Christmas was and is God's emancipation proclamation. Think about that for a second. It was signed in a manger and ratified in blood on a cross and sealed by an empty tomb and a broken Roman seal. Don't miss the part of the broken Roman seal. Because when Christ was sealed in his tomb, he wasn't just, the tomb wasn't just left to be there. It was heavily guarded for a very long time by one of the most powerful armies this world has ever seen or had seen to that point. And we think, oh, well, you hear a lot of people say, oh, well, well the disciples just came and took his body. Really? Twelve guys. Hey, we'll even, we'll even grant thirteen. Maybe, give or take. You're telling me that 12 kind of ragtag guys, tax collectors, fishermen, figured out a way to get past the most powerful military force at that time to steal a body and not be detected at all. I think you would have a better chance as an individual trying to get into Fort Knox today. But I'll digress on that. Incarnation. God with us. No accident. It's no accident that it says that his name shall be called Counselor, El Gabor, the mighty God, Father of the everlasting, sovereign of peace, of his kingdom there will be no end. And the throne of his father David, he will rule the nations with a rod of iron and the zeal of Yahweh Elohim will bring this to pass that it might be fulfilled by the prophet that his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Look at chapter 1 once more, if you still have John 1 open. I know I'm reading, but we're going to be in verse, verse 18 here. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, <clears throat> who, is, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He revealed God to us. What is the purpose of the Son? Think about it for a second when you read this passage in verse 18. What is the purpose of Christ the Son? Is to explain the Father. And that's who the Logos was. For some of you, if you look in your Bibles, you will see the word right there, Logos. The word in the beginning was the Logos. When we look at that, He's the explainer of the Word of God. He is the Word of God incarnate. And He goes on to use this illustration. And this is probably one of the most powerful illustrations from a Christmas standpoint that I've ever heard. Dr. Walter Martin says this, The term or the word logos in the Greek used in John 1 is very significant. It meant a great deal to Oriental culture. It doesn't mean a great deal to us. It meant a great deal to Oriental culture, but it didn't mean a great deal to us. And he goes on to explain that in the Oriental throne room, the Oriental king would sit, if this was the throne room, his throne would be right here, <clears throat> and he would sit, 
And he would have his, his queen or his consort with him. And all throughout the day, people would come into the throne room to talk business, to plead their cases, and he would have rulings and judgments and those things. But what they did not, what, what the king had on him was a, a medallion around his neck. And there was a seal that was that medallion that was significant, that was stamped specifically for his rule and reign when he, when he became king. Also, the king had on a ring. He had a, ro- a robe, typical king garb. When the king became tired in his business of the day, he would not stand up from his throne and just walk away. There would be a curtain that would close so that they would not see the king get up from his throne, so that the people would always assume that the king was on his throne. But there would be a curtain that would come across, and if we were in this room, it would probably run kind of parallel to the stage, and the, and the, and the curtain would close, and the king would stand up off of his throne, and in that moment, there would be a representative, someone to come in his place. And he would take the medallion from his neck. Once again, which was struck for his reign. And his ring in which he stamped the documents. And he would place it on the hand of a man and on, the, on his neck. And the medallion around his neck. And when the curtains parted, this man would step out and everybody would kneel. But he wasn't the king. No, but he was in place of the king. To disobey this representative was to give yourself a death sentence. They did this in obedience. Why? When they saw the seal, he was what is called in loco rex, in the place of. In the place of the king. His word was the king's. Once again, to disobey him was to die. You know what his name was for this man in the oriental courts? Logos. Logos. And that's what John's trying to tell us here. Do you know who the baby in the manger really was? (laughs) Well, let me tell you. He is the visible image of the invisible God who parts the curtains of eternity and steps into the world of time and space And around his neck is the medallion of the Lion of the tribe of Judah, King of kings and Lord of lords, God incarnate, the Logos, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. He's the incarnation of the deity, but it remains for the book of Hebrews to put the final touch on his identity. And I think this is the beautiful thing about the Word of God. Scripture interprets Scripture and it all works together and brings us to a better understanding if we just take time to dig and sit into the Word and let the Word not, not us change the Word, but the Word change us. And when we come across a passage like Hebrews, I think it's vital, especially, especially in today's world, We have to look at the passage of Hebrews and really look at it and process it and think about it. In Hebrews 1, it says, God who spoke long ago to our fathers and to the prophets in many ways in these last days has spoken unto us 
in His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom He also created the worlds, who being the radiance of His glory. You know what this means in Hebrew? The outshining of a Shekinah glory. Yahweh Elohim, the glory of God Himself, the personal glory of God. That is what the Son is. That is what Jesus Christ is. He is the radiant outshining of the personal glory of Yahweh. He is the individualized, personalized representative of His character and His nature stamped in human flesh. Not just a stamp as one makes an imprint on wax, but the very nature of God Himself internally as well. God in flesh, externally and internally. Think about that. The radiant outshining of His glory, the substance of God's nature... His character, His flesh, upholder of the universe by the command of His power. And now we get to what Christmas is all about. Listen. When He had by Himself purged us of our sins, He sat down at the right, right hand of the majesty on high. He left the majesty on high to enter the world in a manger in the womb of a peasant girl denied entrance to an inn his bed was straw with the beast of the earth and where he laid incarnate deity of whom the angels sang glory to god in the highest and on on earth peace to men whom he is well pleased who is he he's the image of god's nature the imprint of god's character for in Him dwells the, all the fullness of God Himself in flesh. He is nothing less than the nature of God and flesh, in, and flesh. Not a prophet, not a sage, not a philosopher, not a leader, not just a man. The God-man, uniquely and only begotten. The writer of Hebrews ends with this. God spoke in His Son, from whom He said, in verse 5, You are My Son, and today I have begotten you. I will be your Father and you will be to me a son. And, when, when the, and, and then when the firstborn one, the preeminent one, Christ, entered the world, the incarnation, the Father turned to the angels and to the host of heaven and said, Let all the angels of God worship Him. And to His Son He said, in verse 8, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of Thy kingdom. And for Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Him was life. And the life that was the light of men. No one has ever seen God at any time. But God, the only begotten One, who is in the bosom of the Father, He explained Him. Who is Logos? Who is He? Logos. Wisdom. Reason of God who stepped out from behind the curtain of eternity into the world of men and loved us even to the cross on Calvary. That is a reason enough for us to still say on January 1st, 2023, Merry Christmas. I think the reason that that sermon for me hit so hard is because a lot of times we do get caught up in the festivals and the fa and, and it's it's good stuff 
It's traditional stuff. We want to be with loved ones. We want to make the cookies. We want to share the gifts. We want to do the shopping. Those things are in celebration. We give gifts because God gave the greatest gift of His Son to us. So we can be in right relationship. There's a lot of meaning behind the Christmas season. But the greatest meaning of all is the image that the medallion of the Lion of Judah was placed on his neck and he steps out from behind that curtain from, from, from the veil of eternity to this world. And he did it through the womb of a peasant girl. And that was the beginning. We don't have the cross if we don't have the manger but the manger is not why he came. The cross is why he came. We like baby Jesus. We like baby Jesus a lot because baby Jesus doesn't challenge us. Baby Jesus is soft and cuddly and cute and cooing and doing baby things in, in the manger. But when we grab the true meaning of why Christ came was to deal with sin and death once and for all through his life. He showed us who God is through his life. Think about that too. That blows my mind that Dr. Walter Martin said this, is that when we think about Christ and we read through the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we hear Paul recalling some of the things that he witnessed and all of those things, we, we, we need to realize that it's not just a man, that it was God in flesh, inside and out, in front of us. It's a part of history, as he said. And when we grab that, and we realize that that is what Christmas is all about, I think it bears us to celebrate it a little bit more than just December 25th and 24th. Hey, I'm all for, let's, hey, let's bring back the 12 days of Christmas in roaring fashion. Let's celebrate it. Let, let's let the world hear. Let the church bell ring. Let the community know and let, let them know that December, we celebrate on December 25th, the day that death was defeated, that God started the process through His Son, Jesus Christ, to defeat death and overcome sin. There's a lot of weight in that moment. And I don't want us to look past it because it does go beyond December 25th. It even goes beyond if we were to celebrate it the 12 days of Christmas. Because, as we said, as Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the least that we could do is make our body a living, living sacrifice. That we let our mind be transformed by the Word. Think about that one for a minute. After we've sat here and talked about Logos, let our mind be transformed by the Logos of God. Inside and out. I don't know where you are today. I hope that there's been some, some, some value in this for you. I hope that it makes you think a little bit more about Christmas. I hope it makes you think a little bit more about Jesus. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ I want to have a conversation with you I want to talk to you about what that means 
when we pray here in a minute, you know, I think we got, we got another song by the band, so the band wants to come on up as we wrap up here. And we pray here in a minute. And you're saying to yourself, Jimmy, I've done the church thing. I, I've, done a, I've, done the, I've checked that box. But, but something's just, I, no matter how hard I try, I don't feel changed from the inside out. Because in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is what I recited a while ago. That transformation, that metamorphosis is the word actually that's used there. And it's God transforming us from the inside out. When we think about a, a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly, there's a metamorphosis that happens. And when that bu butterfly or that caterpillar turns into the butterfly and comes out of the cocoon, it no longer looks like a butterfly. So when you follow Christ, when you surrender your life to Christ, there needs to be an examination going, do I look like a caterpillar or do I look like a butterfly? If that's you today, in the most loving way that I can say and with the biggest welcoming arms that I can give, I want to have a conversation with you about what it means to follow Christ. What it means to deal with the sin that separates you from a holy God. You cannot deal with that sin yourself. There's no way to do that. We ourselves cannot handle our own sin. God tells us in Romans, through the Apostle Paul, that the wages of sin, the payment of sin, is death in chapter 3. That means that, that if you do not allow Christ to step into your life, and you do not surrender your life to Christ, you are left dealing with the wage of sin by yourself without Jesus. And the payment for that sin is death without Christ, an eternal separation from a holy God. If that's you today, I could not think of a better way to start 2023 than to celebrate it by saying, you know what? I'm officially leaving my old self in 2022. I'm surrendering my life to Christ, and I want to allow him to change me from the inside out into the person that he needs me to be for his kingdom. If that's you today, I say to you as lovingly as possible, repent from your sin. Turn to Christ. Place your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And surrender your life to Him today. If that is you, when we say amen here in a minute, as one of the worship leaders prays us out, I'm going to be in the Welcome Center. Come talk to me about what that looks like. Thank you all for being here. Happy New Year. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a couple more songs and we'll, we'll head on out. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for what you've done for us. And Lord, as I continue to think about the fact that you are the visible image of the invisible God, that you took on flesh to show us God incarnate, in the words of John 1, Lord, we thank you so much for that moment. We thank you that that is what this Christmas season is about. Not just about you coming as a child and, and leaving you there in the manger. 
but being King of kings and Lord of lords. Savior, Redeemer, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That whether all the governments in the world and in the nations want to recognize it, all of it rests on your shoulders and they do not have authority without you allowing them to have authority. God, that is, that is who you are. You are our King. You are our Lord. And through your life, death and burial and resurrection, sin is defeated. And Lord, I pray for those that are in this room that may not have surrendered their lives to you yet and repented of their sin. Lord, I pray that you would work in their lives. Give them the courage. Give them the opportunity. Give them the, 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 the guts <laughs> to take that step and surrender their lives to you. Lord, may your name get the honor and the glory for it. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.